What's going on, Grace Word Church? Happy Sunday. I hope everyone is having a great morning. I love doing videos like this because it's not actually Sunday for me, but I like to pretend like it is because you're seeing it today, which is Sunday. So I hope everybody's having a great day. So, you know, it's just like right now it's nighttime here for me. But right now for you, it's daytime. Pretty cold, pretty exciting. I hope everybody's having a great morning. I hope you guys are enjoying your time together at your houses that you've all gathered at, drinking some coffee, eating some breakfast. I hope I didn't unintentionally call people out that don't have breakfast or coffee in their homes. I hope you do. It just makes everything better. Food and coffee just do, does something to people. But uh, I'm really excited to be with you guys this morning. For those who don't know me, my name is Paul Rossi. I am an ordained minister under you guys, and I have uh, the privilege of running a nonprofit called Taken Back for over 13 years. We work in the country of El Salvador, and you guys have been partners with us for a very long time. So thank you for your generosity and what you've been doing for many of you uh, that may or may not know. We're really grateful for it. So I'm excited to jump in. I'm going to be speaking out of John uh, 20, starting at verse 24, when Jesus appears to Thomas. Um, before I go into that, um, you know, I was thinking a lot about this. For those who are familiar with uh, this story, you know, you, many of you may know what I'm going to talk about today. Um, and I was just thinking of... Uh, in my mind, man, how many how, have there been times in my life uh, where I can look back at where God came through so radically um, in ways that I thought was impossible? Um, an area where maybe there was some uh, cynical, skeptical um, thoughts that were running through my head. And um, gratefully so, I couldn't quite think of many. I know there are there, but I have thought about something uh um, that happened last week that I really think is just um, really exciting to be able to share with you guys a testimony of of what it looks like when we lean in and believe in something that looks and feels impossible, what God can do. And so a uh, quick story, uh, the church I work for, we decided that we were going to go as a campus. Uh, we were approached to see if we would help out uh, uh, Ukrainians that are currently still living in Ukraine and that there's a massive food shortage. And um, there was an organization that wanted some help and asked if we could do it. Well, our church is a bit bigger and our uh, larger part of our church, what we call Central, uh, gave us the okay to do it. But they said, hey, this is going to be more of a campus thing uh, than a, a church-wide thing. Um, just because we're preparing for for this big event, this big gathering we call Love Week. And we go around as a church and we just just show love and support so many different neighborhoods and NGOs and things like that. It's really powerful. So anyways, uh, uh, our outreach director comes to us and says, hey, uh, we want to uh, take on this project on our own as a, as a church, but I believe we can do this if we bring people together around us, local churches, local and nonprofits around us, we could tackle this thing. And she explains it to us. We want to go feed Ukrainians that are still living Ukrainian because on average they get about a meal, a meal and a half, and they wait for hours for that meal a day. Hours, thousands and thousands of them. And I was like, wow, let's do it. I was so excited. It's like, let's do it. Everybody was excited. And she's like, yeah, so we're going to, we in, in four days, we're going to pack over 300,000 meals. That's what they requested. 
over 300,000 meals. I can remember looking around at that room with, with my staff. And I'm not going to lie, cynical, no. Skepticism, no. But a place of a little bit of worry, of doubt, absolutely. And wondering, is this possible in four days? I, um, and when my uh, campus pastor heard this, he was even wondering, is this something that we are going to regret taking on? Because he desperately wanted to deliver. And so we all kind of came in with this place of excitement. Some of us a little more cynical. Like, how could we even agree to do something like this in such a short notice? I don't think we're going to be able to accomplish this. We have two weeks to put together something like this and then four days to pack it. We had others that, like me, a little more excited, but a little doubtful, you know, had some optimism, had some, you know, when you, you know, you have, when you have some optimism, but there's some doubt, you go, you, you already have a plan B in your head, but you just don't want to admit it. So you're just like really saying, you're really just excited about, you know, what you're doing with the, with the thought process, like, well, if it falls apart, we could end up doing, um, you know, and then there's people with just some skepticism, you know, that in the room in the same way, just kind of thinking to themselves, like, it's just impossible. There's no way there was a seven like, we're just not going to be able to do it. We need to make sure we have another way to be able to accomplish it. Long story short, even though we had all those feelings, even though we had, we had wonder, um, we agreed and we stepped up as an, as a team and we supported each other um, and we supported our outreach director. And what was so powerful is in two weeks, uh, she's gathered, she gathered over 47 partners, 47 church, like different churches, nonprofits, different organizations, businesses that partnered with us. And we had over 1300 volunteers. And not only did we crush on, on day three, over 300,000 meals, that one meal feeds six people. We went 30,000 over what we were expecting. And that blew my mind. Do you want to talk about a celebration and an awe in a place of like in three days, in three days, on average, we were packing over 100,000 meals with volunteers coming through was absolutely mind-blowing and I can remember even thinking to myself going back to a place where I was like man I can't believe I even doubted this I can't believe I doubted what God can do when we just take a step of faith and trust in him that's the best place for us to be is in a place of uncertainty when we know if we can't do it on our own strength but if God partners with us when God is ahead of us that there is nothing impossible it's easier to look at that now um, that it all happened, right? And be in this place of pulling up my notes, being in this place of excitement. Um, and I can remember my uh, CP, he was celebrating. We did this big like leadership gathering because even our leadership gathering we did, which was pretty much like we called out to all of our leaders on our campus and said, hey, come bring your team. We want to we want to have lunch and celebrate you, a.k.a. we need your hands to surely help with this with this packing. Here's what's so cool about that. We made that plan because we wanted to, uh, it was time for us to gather our leaders to begin with just to hang with them. But also we wanted to, we wanted that extra push because we thought for sure we would need it. The leaders came on the day during the time that the shift before them filled the 300,000 mark 
We didn't even really need him. That's how cool God is. And that's how we went over, we went over 300,000 and went to 330,000 meals. So that's what's so cool, man. That was a powerful moment. That was a moment in me that I could go back to and remember. And I just still been thinking about it clearly, how amazing that is. That's why I told you guys the story, because I want to relate it to something even greater, which is what it looks like, even in a place of doubt, when we can still step out in faith and trust Jesus, even in a place of uncertainty. And in many ways, even though the story of Thomas starts off in a place of wonder and skepticism, uh, you can see where Jesus was coming from with Thomas and how Thomas responds to Jesus because all solely Thomas really wanted was reassurance that what the disciples have seen, he too could see and hold tightly to the truth that his savior, that his rabbi, that his teacher, somebody he grew to love and trust is actually alive and walking on earth. And so let's jump in. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I love what Thomas did. So let's jump in real quick. Verse 24 says this, one of the, the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. That makes me laugh so hard because Thomas's sarcasm I don't think it was just like, you know, the way I read it for some reason, my brain looks at it. It wasn't like this like intense conversation. Like, I don't believe you guys. I felt like it was like a classic sarcastic, like you guys are full of crap. You're living in a place of complete denial. You are in disillusion to what is actually happening. You didn't see Jesus. And if you're telling me you did, there's no way I'm going to believe it or even buy into such stupidity unless I can see the wounds in his hand and put my fingers through and the wound on his side and put my hand on it. He went to such an extreme. He's He wasn't just like, I, just, I need to see Jesus to believe it for myself, meaning like I just need to see the face, the the physical body just he went steps further with like not only do i need to see him i need to see the wounds that i know he got and suffered uh with and that to me was very relatable <laughs> i have had places and times of my life where i was like no way. What's that saying? Everybody says, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, I'm, you know, this is, this is completely, you know, uh, I'll, you'll never see me do this. And, you know, uh, hell will have to freeze over. You know, we have all these sayings before I would ever do such a thing. Or we have these like extremisms that I can't think of any besides that one. But these, these comments that we make where we're like, we're just being so just, um, skeptical, uh, sarcastic, dra like just full of drama because we don't fully believe it. There's something within us that says this can't be true. This can't be, this, this is absolutely not true. And that's where Thomas was. Thomas was in a place of being real and honest. He was being, he was probably, I mean, imagine where he was coming from. He just lost his teacher, somebody he loved, somebody he walked with and did life with. 
mentally exhausted, emotionally exhausted, just at a place where he's like, guys, I can't handle your foolishness. I'm mourning, I am broken. And I feel like he came from this place of like, man, y'all are just dumb. You're tripping out right now. This can't be real. Let's see what happens next. As many of us know the story. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, verse 26 says this, eight days later, the disciples were gathering again. And this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand in the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Again, we go from a very sarcastic response from Thomas, this place of like, you guys are full of it, to then eight days later, a really OG, <laughs> just no one can do it like Jesus appearance, just a, just coming out of nowhere in a room where their door was locked and there was no way in except through the front door. Or And, and he comes in and he shows up and he's like, he looks at everybody's like, peace be with you. You know what? <laughs> what an absolutely insane way to make an entrance to the disciples he just seen not too long ago, minus Thomas. And he gets to this place where he's like, yeah, your door was locked. And what I began to think about was not only how insane of an entrance that was, but just metaphorically, like, Man, how powerful it is that Jesus will pursue and meet us and love us and come through no matter what it takes. He didn't just knock on the front door. He went through and appeared in a, in a place with his disciples to show them love and to let them know how deeply he cares for them. And I even think just the, you know, I was thinking, man, what an erotic, crazy entrance, but even more so, what a radical response to love. What a what an absurd, wild way to say, hey, guys, I'm here. I don't need a doorway to get to you, whether open or locked. I don't, no roof, no, no four walls are going to ever get between my children and me. And he appears to them. And after he says, peace be with you, he walks over to Thomas and says, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. What's so cool was, he could have said, peace be with you and been like, Thomas, so I heard you're questioning whether I actually rose from the dead. Well, here I am. Have I not taught you anything? How many miracles, how many teachings do I need to do before you believe and actually see who I am, the son of God? He could have went into a lecture. He could have went into a moment of just like schooling and redriving the focus of him being the son of God in that they need to be in a living a life of faith. But he 
does challenge Thomas, but in a way that a good father does by meeting Thomas where he was at. So after he said, peace be with you, he walks over to Thomas and he says, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the womb in my hand, uh, in my side. And then the challenge was, don't be faithless any longer. Believe. That's the beauty of who God is. Many of us have experienced God in different ways, in different forms. But the root of who Jesus is, the heartbeat of who he is, is he's our father who loves us. He is the savior of the wor world and he drives everything through the lens of love. Everything through the lens of love. And love comes in all different forms, guys. I'm not talking about hippie love. He drives everything through the lens of love, so he disciplines those he loves. He drives everything through the lens of love that he brings judgment on those that need the judgment of him, not us, but of him. He drives everything through the place of love that he'll set a prostitute free and, and not let anybody harm her, but yet still call her higher to no longer live in that type of lifestyle. He drives everything through the lens of love. But love is not always as soft as we want to portray it to be. It's moldable and shapeable, and Jesus shows it. And so he met Thomas where he was. He said, I'm going to let you put your finger through my wound on my hand and put your hand on my side of my wound. Now, I'm going to let you because I love you. I'm going to let you because I want you to believe. I want you to see that you're, that your, 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 your friends around you are not going crazy. That they actually seen me. Hey, Thomas, I'm here. Um, I'm, I am with you. I am in front of you. And I know you carry some sense of doubt and skepticism, but I'm here. I believe he often speaks to us that way. When we are in a place of uncertainty, man, the world around us is in complete chaos. The world around us needs the hope of Jesus. And many of us, after the incidences and the things that have been going on lately, I'm sure at times are living in a place of wondering, Jesus, what is going on? Is it ever going to get better? Like, you know, even maybe, maybe even questioning, Lord, I know you're real, but why didn't you do this to do that? And we begin to go down these paths of mourning, of weeping, of frustration, of, of just uncertainty. And yet I hope that you guys stayed there long enough that Jesus can appear and get through to you and let you poke at his wounds and say, hey, don't be faithless, believe. You know what I love about that statement is don't be what you're not. Be what you are. And that's somebody full of faith. That's what he was saying to Thomas. Don't be, don't be masked and, and let the veil of this world go over your eyes. You're a man of faith. And I believe in places of uncertainty in our life, that's what he's saying to us. He might meet with us in different ways. He might not approach us the same way he's, he's approached Thomas because he approaches all of his kids in a different manner because he likes to meet us again where we are. I don't know what a lot of you guys are going through. 
But I do know that when we are in a place of pain, when we get to a place of uncertainty, when we get to a place of lack of understanding, we can begin to get in a place like Thomas where we're just like, I want to believe it, but I just don't believe it. I want to say what you're saying is true, but I don't know if I can fully believe that what you're saying is actually true. Like we've been there. We've been there. We've all been there. We've all been there when we found out a loved one has a sickness that just literally cripples us because we know the name of that sickness, cancer, or could cripple us, man, can get us to a place of just like, just of the, or just a terminal illness, you know, where we're like, we want to believe for healing, but God, I don't know. Like you're going to have to really show up and I'm going to, I mean, there's no way we're going to get through this or many of us that maybe have faced job loss or marital issues that never, that we are still, you're still wondering, is there even hope in this? family dynamic issues with with friends or relatives that you're still praying and believing for something personal struggles sins that you haven't been able to break that you're like i want to believe that he's a god who who sets us free i want to believe he's a god who can get me away from this particular thing but why am i still stuck in it again Maybe we're not sitting amongst the crowd of, our, of, of friends that were disciples of Jesus, questioning whether our teacher, our rabbi, our savior is actually risen from the dead. But I think many of us can fall into a place of wondering that the person we do believe, Jesus, the son of God, our savior that has been risen from the dead. I think now if we live in that belief, I think sometimes we struggle with who that person is, who that, who our father is. I don't know if he's going to be able to really do what our desperate, what we are desperately in need for in that moment. I think that is the type of doubt we can carry and questioning we can carry like Thomas. It reminds me of, of um, James 1. Uh, I want to read uh, verse 2. It says, um, it, in the title is testing of your face, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. I think... You know, that verse speaks to this story, this this moment that happened with Thomas, because we are in, we will face, if we're not already in it, but we will face testing of our faith. Where we may be like, man, God, I don't know, right? We'll face various trials, trials that 
maybe many of us never thought we'd be in. But I love the reminder that James 1 says, and it says that the testing for your faith produces steadfastness. When Jesus allowed Thomas to, to touch his wounds, he then says, don't be faithless, believe. Don't live in a place of uncertainty. Walk in faithfulness, even in a place of wonder, because it's going to produce steadfastness in your life that can only come from a place of faith and testing that I believe God will pull us through when we lean in and trust in who he is above the circumstance that we see in front of us. Steadfastness and let steadfastness have its, have its full effect that we may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. I believe that's what God's desire is for our life. He wants us to walk into a place lacking nothing because we have so much confidence and faith in who he is to us that no matter what we hear or see, it will not sway us from the fact that God is still the King of kings and Lord of lords and stands on the throne and every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Therefore, I will put my hope solely in the one I know to be steadfast and true through the ages and that is Jesus and him alone. I believe when Thomas heard this, it says, and believe my Lord, my God, Thomas exclaimed, then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believed without seeing me. Well, that's where we are. Blessed are those who believe without seeing him. I don't even think again that Jesus meant this as a dig at Thomas. I think he was given a reminder, man, you believe because now you see me. I revealed myself to you, physically revealed myself to you. And Thomas's response to me was so beautiful. My Lord, my God, my Lord, my God, my Lord, my God, my everything, my all, my King, my Savior, my Master, man, it is you. And blessed are those who believe who have not seen him. I think what's so beautiful is we may not see him physically, but I believe he sent the Holy Spirit so that we would be able to see him in a way that we could acknowledge, even in a place of uncertainty and doubt, my Lord, my God, this is who he is to me. This is who he is to me. He's my master. He's my savior. He's my provider. He's my helper. Man, that's who Jesus is to me. I believe that there's something powerful about Thomas's response, because when we meet with the Lord, when we have our encounters with the Holy Spirit, when we have those aha moments, when we have those moments where he just appears and we can feel him in the room, because he's always in the room, but I'm talking about when our just our souls are lining up to the fact that he's here. I, I believe that the response of what we what we do what we do next in our response matters so much. Matters so much. Matters so much. It's refining us. It's growing us. It's leaving us with lacking nothing. 
Like James says, don't expect anything if you live in doubt because your emotions will toss you around and you won't know what's up to, from down. But those who are rooted in the truth of who Christ is and the gospel of who he is, man, storms may come, doubt may come, but I know that because I'm leaning into the promises and the truth of who God is, I will not be shaken. I will not be broken. I will not be defeated. Simple reminders like this. Simple reminders like this. You know, this goes from verse 24 to verse 29. It's not really a long story. I think many of us can drive this story home with Thomas sometimes. It's like, don't be like Thomas. No, I'm actually going to say, be like Thomas. Because Thomas's honesty and Thomas's transparency, Thomas's brutal truth is what led him to see Jesus. And when, when, Tom, when Jesus showed up, even with the lens that Thomas had on and the skepticism, he was able to see who Jesus was and touch his wounds and find freedom in the worry and the doubt that he carried that what if my God didn't actually raise from the grave like I was hoping for? So I say, lean into it, carry that lens. And when he appears to you, when he speaks to you, may your response be like Thomas's, my Lord, my God, my steadfast love. Man, the creator of all things, the lover of my soul, my father, my Oh man, my Abba, let the response hopefully be just as intimate and as passionate as Thomas's was. Don't shy away. My challenge to you is if you're living in a place of doubt, if you're living in a place of skepticism, if you're living in a place of wonder, is God going to come through? Is this really happening all around me in the sense of hopelessness you feel? Cry out. God, I want to believe. I have faith. I know you are who you say you are. Show me. Just show me. He's our father. He knows at times we just need some reminders. We just need that sense of the Holy Spirit just saying, hey, I'm here. I'm here. God is never far. God is never far. And God is not a tyrant king. He's not looking at us and thinking, how could they even be asking for such a foolish thing? He's like, I'm right here. That's why scripture says, my sheep know my voice. He's a shepherd. He walks with us. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. And I just want to encourage you guys through that small part of chapter 20. Learn from Thomas. My challenge is to be like Thomas, because I believe when we're honest with the Father, he'll meet us where we are and radically change our lives. So, Juice, we love you. I thank you for that simple word, but I believe that simple word has a lot of power and truth in it. And there's no way I could possibly go into it. Um, I don't know, Lord, I feel like even the story of Thomas could could be too messages that could really begin to dissect some things, Lord. But I think the simplicity of who he is 
and who you are to him is powerful in itself. So I pray that that many people will walk away with this truth, that Thomas's honesty is what led him back to you. Thomas's wonder, Thomas's frustration is where you exactly met him because you love him. And that's exactly where you meet us because you love us. So Lord, I pray for any hearts that are full of doubt and pain and skepticism and unsurety because of the world around us and what this world is doing to your children is heartbreaking what the evil demonic beings of this world is doing to your children is heartbreaking but you are greater and bigger and you will always bring your truth and freedom and your healing in ways that we could never imagine and so we thank you for it We thank you for the God who is always surprising us, the God who's always coming through, the God who never leaves us and never forsakes us. Thank you, Lord. And so I pray you'll be with Graceway Church, Lord, as they go throughout their week. May they sit and think about Thomas. May they evaluate their hearts. May they look at their hearts. May they wonder to themselves, are there areas of my life that I'm living like Thomas, but I just haven't admitted it yet? Lord, may their um, confession Bring them even closer to you and bring healing and truth in their lives, Lord. And may they stand on it with security and hope that you are God and you still reign and you're still on the throne no matter what. We love you and we thank you. Amen. Guys, I'm grateful to be able to share with you all. I hope this very little word Uh, speaks to your heart. Sometimes it's the simple things. I've been challenging myself on this. Sometimes it's the simple things. We're always looking for a fresh revelation, a fresh word. And I think that's beautiful in itself. But if we can't get a hold of the simple things of saying, hey, we need to be honest with ourselves when we live in a place of doubt, because when we live in a place of doubt, it hinders us and stops us from living with a steadfast assurance in who Jesus is, then we can get honest with ourselves we can not only find freedom, but we will have encounters with the Lord that will radically mark us and then be an overflow to other people when we testify of the goodness of God. I believe Thomas's story was not dreadful. It was a testimony of uh, for Thomas to share to people he comes in contact with. Do you know I doubted that Jesus was risen from the dead? But then I not only seen him, not only did he show me his face, he let me touch his wounds. Like I believe he was, I believe personally that he was using that that moment as a testimony to bring others closer. So don't let the enemy fool you, your doubt, your skepticism, your worry. When you bring it to the Lord and you find freedom in it, it will be a testimony to bring others to the Lord as well. And so I pray that that's what it will be for you guys. Love you guys. Enjoy your Sunday.